Welcome to the Safety with Purpose Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us at safetywithpurpose.com. Now, here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. Hi, and welcome to another Woman in Safety. If you're returning, welcome back. And if it's your first time, we're so glad to have you here with us. Now, I've got two fabulous guests today, Christy Cassett, who is the president of Midwestern Safety Equipment, and Dave White, who is the co-owner of Quad City Safety. We've got a great conversation in play, and we're going to be looking at actually a few areas. We're going to talk about um, how can our distributors be a valued third party in our business and be part of our safety program and working with our employees. We're going to be looking at how can we be creating more engagement with our employees so they're part of continuous improvement of safety in the workplace. Have you signed up for our Safety Connect Virtual Conference Expo yet? Well, if not, what are you waiting for? Head on over to industryconnectsafety.com and register. It's free to join, and it's a three-day expo you can drop in and out of. We've got some phenomenal speakers like Andrew Sharman and Corey Pitzer joining us. Now, we've got a great conversation in play right now, so let's get into that conversation. Christy and Dave, it would be really great to kind of learn how did you guys get into your role as distributors and then getting to work with Safety Network? I grew up in this business. Uh, My grandfather started the company and my dad has been here for 40 plus years. Um, I worked in the warehouse in the summer. I did filing. I've done all of those types of things. And um, when I graduated college, I did not want to be in the safety business because it seems like it's 24-7. People are calling you. They need help. They've got a job. You know, it was just always on. So I went and I sold um, industrial uniforms, like with a laundry service. So I was in lots of industrial plants and I found it pretty interesting. And really, those people... Um, working in the plants, use a lot of PPE and safety equipment. Like the crossover was pretty natural. So um, I made the jump here about 14 years ago, and that's how I got into where I am. I was in Kentucky, and I was going to school, and previous owner was father of uh, one of my fraternity brothers, and basically came back and was kind of introduced to him, and he invited me to come up, because my background's accounting, to do an accounting intern. So then, so he said, come up for the summer. At the end of it, I hired on. So I went from an intern to basically on the staff as controller to then ended up having the opportunity to buy into the business with myself, my business partner, Mike Smeaton in like 2005. So it's been kind of a, I went from Kentucky to Iowa. So there you are. Really the distributors are an extension of our business. They're kind of like our third party partnership. And so I wanted to kind of break that open and learn like, how have you guys been part of that role of the valued distributor, the third party for the customers that you've been working with for so long? Well, it kind of fires off with the fact that when you start talking about personal protective equipment, that's only like one crux of a safety program. 
And so you have a lot of policies and procedures and back office stuff that has to go on record keeping, but you know, all of a sudden we're keeping SDSs and we got to do some training and we can get involved with training, but it kind of comes to, okay, we've, we've tried to engineer it out, out hazards. We can't do that. Now we need PPE. So that's kind of where we come to the table is, um, you know, you also, when we talk about this, the safety director, the safety director needs somebody that's a specialist or somebody that deals really specifically with products because otherwise we're checking a box because there's features and benefits to every piece of personal protective equipment that's out there. Um, feeds off what Dave said, where you can simply check a box and provide PPE, but PPE is very personal. And it may, you know, if we're talking about safety glasses, the same glasses that fit my face may not fit Dave's face. They may not provide the same protection. And I think um, as employers try to provide PPE, it's so important to get buy-in from the people that are actually using the tools per se or PPE in the field to make sure that we're not just checking a box and we really have the best option to protect the worker. A way, a way to really think about that, to, and this is going to sound really, really weird, but everybody that's on this call wears a certain type of underwear. You don't want to wear something else. You, you know what you like, and that's what you want to wear, so you wear it. And that's what we're always trying to do is get people to wear PPE. And if you check a box, people won't wear it because it's not going to be comfortable. It's, or there's going to be something that's possibly overlooked, like fogging. You know, all of a sudden they bought the cheapest glass because they didn't realize that, well, for about 35 cents more, we can get an anti-fog coating on there. But they just don't think through that. But, you know, I think Christy's comment that it's a personal item. It is personal. is something that's overlooked in, in the check the box community. And people that get it, safety for the sake of safety, then they, they usually get that, no, man, this is really something that's personal. This is a this is like a garment. I need to make sure that this, this is right. And the other thing that I really enjoyed in our, in our conversation was that you, you were also talking about how as distributors, you can be a resource to the team. And you even mentioned like bringing, bringing you in as being sometimes a guest or part of the safety committee. And that's something I had never even thought about. So I wanted to kind of unpack that a little bit. Absolutely. I've been a part of lots of safety committees and you really do just come as a resource. So when these people on the committees are sharing ideas and issues that they might have, things that they like, or if I only had this, it could make my job easier and I could do it safer and faster because that's what, you know, management wants the job to get done as quickly as possible. And the safety director wants the job to be done as safe as possible. And as an expert in the field that really has that product expertise, we could say, oh, well, did you know about this? It's brand new and it would really solve your problem. So that's, uh, I think that's extremely helpful. And I think that's important when you're talking about partnerships rather than just spewing out product information. You have to provide a solution to what they're looking for. Any, any communication channel is always going to have this impervious level of clay where information doesn't come up and down through. And I really feel that when we get involved in those safety committees, we, we can get down to the frogs and the toads level to get feedback to where they either don't communicate it right or somehow it doesn't, it doesn't communicate up. So I think us being that liaison or somebody that's in the, in the communication cycle definitely helps to make sure 
that the person that's utilizing the, the equipment or has the issue is heard. And that gives them buy-in then, and then they become part of that whole, you know, because, you know, when we're, we're always dealing with the kind of us versus them mentality. So, you know, we don't want to, you know, safety is something that everybody should be all on board for. So anything we can do to help foster that and us being in that helps foster that is, is a win for everybody. You know, another thing to touch on here is um, lots of safety professionals are involved in professional organizations like ASSP or local chapters, and um, we are here as well. And I think that just provides a network of expertise where if someone reaches out to you as a partner, I mean, we may not have all the answers, but just being a voice and a friend to say, hey, you know what, I would recommend calling this person. They have the expertise, you know, in that area of the pilot light or whatever it might be. Um, I think the safety business coming from outside the industry, you know, 14 years ago, one of the most awesome things I thought was that everyone was willing to help somebody else. Everybody, there wasn't that like, well, this is a trade secret and I don't want to share um, and I don't know what the word is, but all the safety directors say rip off and repeat or rip off. Dave, you probably know. But these programs, people are very willing to help others in this field, which I think is very refreshing. Yeah, there's no trade secrets typically when it comes to safety is, you know, people have policies where where you have that ability to uh, to really work through uh, with somebody that's done it. And then customize it to your own solution, but to to really talk about where the power of a good distributor is is in the relationships. I mean, we know we know that uh, if there's a question, we have a nerd that's vastly more. You know, we're good at you know ten thousand foot view of understanding everything. But every product, it doesn't matter how simple it is, is there's always some technology that's in there that you, you got to have a, a subject matter expert that can really dive in there and get down to the, you know, the, the neutrons, protons, electrons level of, of it. I mean, one of the things that you started to touch on, which I think is so important. And in fact, you actually, I believe you, you said this was like the biggest mistake that a lot of employers make is creating this them versus us kind of environment. So I kind of wanted to unpack that, Dave, a little bit and Christy, a little bit more. So let's start off with the fact that when you look at safety, National Safety Congress did a study, it's probably been about 10 years ago, where they went in and they said, okay, if we put money into safety, uh, what is the return on investment? And it was like a $2.20 return for every dollar you put into it. So I guess the argument is safety makes money. And that's what everybody's in to do is make money. So now that we know that it can be a profitable thing, we need to approach it a little bit because a lot of people sit there and they they take the uh, aspect of, oh my gosh, it's a line on my P&L and I'm spending this much on PPE. They don't look at the, they don't look at the fact that it's something that's going to make them money. So since they have that mentality of I'm trying to manage a budgetary line, that all of a sudden becomes a, it creates an us versus them because it's, nah, you don't get, you don't get the nice one. You get the one that we get to check the box with. So that, that's kind of 
that's one of the drivers of that mentality that creates that us versus them, you know, the, the distance between uh, management and the person that's doing the frontline line work wearing it. And trying to get past that, I think, you know, we got to have some of these mental shifts to where instead of just managing a safety program, we're managing risk together. And I think when you go to the us versus them mentality, even if um, a safety director or a manager changes a product out, and even though it might be better, the employee mentality automatically is, well, they got us this because it saved money, even though that might not be the case. And I think that's where getting that employee buy-in and having a partner in selecting PPE is really great that you can tell them, this is a win-win. This is a better product. It's going to do X, Y, and Z for you. Um, if it saves money, you know that's a bonus. If it doesn't, but I think that the reality is perception is reality. We're seeing right now in the world that people are really struggling hard with understanding masks and gloves and the usage and the proper donning and doffing and keeping them clean. And what exactly is it all for? What is our role as health and safety professionals to get out there and start educating more of the mainstream and the public about these areas? We, well, I think that really gets into the whole awareness you know, if I kind of look back, you know, I'm 46 years old and I can remember jumping back and forth over the seats in the back of the station wagon, just having a great time. Well, what happened? Well, we started being made aware of traffic deaths and that, oh my goodness, if we put a seat belt on, look at what happened. So with that awareness, then uh, you know, that would have been the 70s into the 80s. So all of a sudden people became aware. And then every PSA that ran from, you know, the late 80s into the 90s was talking about, you know, click it, you know, and then the logical progression goes into click it or ticket, you know, so it was education. And then you're educated. Now we're going to penalize you if you don't. So, you know, from a standpoint is we always got to make sure that we're trying to make people aware because if not everybody's aware. I agree. That's a great analogy. Um, and that's one I think that everybody understands. And I think we talked previously about, you know, the helmets. So when we were kids riding bikes, no one wore a bicycle helmet. Now for our kids, I don't think they would get on a bike without wearing a helmet. Um, and that's similar to in our, you know, in the field today, you're seeing the shift from old school hard hats that have been around from day one to the climber style helmet that has a, you know, a chin strap on it just for slips, trips, and falls. We know now that if someone falls and hit their head, hits their head, what the consequences are. Um, so I think awareness on that is driving some change. You know, it's very interesting what you said about the click it ticket um, concept there, because I, I understand from talking from different people in the United States, as opposed to I'm up here in Canada, is where I am in our region in Ontario, employees can actually be fined by our Ministry of Labor for not complying to the Occupational Health and Safety Act up here. We don't have that here. So we don't have, uh, you know, enforcement at an at a personal level. Ours is more, you know, 
you, you get people with a carrot or a stick, you know, you either entice them to do it or you just beat them into submission. The world learns a lot through storytelling. And so, you know, creating those storylines is always big because, you know, throughout history, people have kind of learned through stories that you, you're told. And it can be uh, religious parables or it can just be, you know, just, you know, tricks of the trade or whatever, but they're always stories. So having, having something that uh, can be passed down uh, that furthers what you're trying to do is always important. We always talk about continuous improvement and safety. It's something that management and the safety professionals kind of do to the workforce. And to be upfront and candid, I don't agree with that. I think that continuous improvement should be a, a collective responsibility. And so you were talking about, you know, continuous improvements. And in your realm as the distributor, working with the employees to make sure that they're, they're accessing the correct tools and knowledge. So could you expand on that? Well, it, it gets into, you know, if we're part of the safety committee, uh, not that you always want to be, <clears throat> you, you want to be proactive, but sometimes you have to be reactive. And so reactionary level can be that all of a sudden we hear that there was a near miss and we, or there is an issue with something. And those are things that we can, that we can uh, kind of dive into. But when we start talking about pro. Uh, proactivity, uh, it's also can come from the same thing where we hear, because we're in a lot of different industries. So we're not just getting safety from one can perspective. We're seeing how a lot of other people do it. And certain industries are at a higher rate of change than other ones. And so a lot of times we are able to, you know, being that storyteller that we can be, is come in and go, well, you're doing it this way and these guys are doing it that way. And I'm going to tell you, it seems like it's working from, for them. And Christy, did you have any thoughts that you wanted to add to that? Absolutely. I would just say um, I agree with the whole storytelling thing that also when you cross different industries, people like to hear about someone else had this issue and here's what they did. And here's how they did it. And this was the result. So I think sharing those across um, different companies and different industries, sometimes they're just new ideas that someone's never thought of before. Um, and a near miss, you know, while you want to be proactive, that definitely makes people aware that there is an issue. And um, hopefully you can put your heads together to come up with, you know, the best solution to, to avoid it in the future. And the other thing I wanted to bring to the table in this conversation is often um, I was very much a grassroots on the grounds kind of safety person and always engaging and talking with employees. And it's just amazing um, how many things they would bring to your attention away ahead of time. Anything could ha possibly happen. And that if you if you talk to them, you work with them and you get it fixed you know, they will actually become more assertive at letting you know, hey, uh, here's something else that needs to be fixed. You know, there is some responsibility there also if we're talking about continuous improvement. Well, you can't manage safety from a desk. And I think sometimes that's the, uh, it, it, it becomes task-based and the, the fact that it's, it's human and it's sharing 
and seeing and, you know, through the communication channels, we can figure things out. I think that that's probably, again, one of the biggest things that gets overlooked is people are in there spending a lot of times making sure they're filling out forms and checking boxes. And realistically, to me, in my opinion, is that, you know, a safety director that's going to kill it is going to be somebody that is active, that is uh, watching how things are going, is, you know, being part of the JSA, JHA, you know, process to make sure that they see how things work and can uh, offer input. Absolutely. And I think also what makes, you know, someone in that field very successful is being open-minded and being very open to communication so that people aren't afraid to tell them something or to say, I don't know, that they're able to uh, be approachable. Yeah, and that, I think that goes back to the you know our original part of the conversation is the us versus them uh, world that uh, a lot of people try to create is you, anything that you can do to foster openness within your safety program is going to it's going to make you money. It's going to make you more safe. Um, but if people feel that it's you know uh, an us versus them and they can't communicate and that they're not heard they will no longer communicate and they will shut up and just uh, break big rocks into smaller rocks. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's a very good, very good point. And we only do have a, a few more minutes uh, before we close out, but before we go, I, I understand that both of you are part of the safety network and that uh, you guys have been doing the C certification, which makes it a little bit unique. Um, because is it, it's correct that you guys do have some education and knowledge around health and safety through that program? Absolutely. So C's, uh, is safety equipment experts and there's different levels. So, uh, basically when you kind of look out, uh, at the landscape, there used to, I guess there still is, is a, there's a qualified safety sales professional, which is another one that kind of floats out there, but it doesn't really have as strict requirements or the, uh, the length of requirements. So to get fully active as a uh, C certified uh, person, you're looking at 150 hours of training that is training like just regular OSHA 30, and it is training that is products uh, product specific or how to use products in environments. And all too often what we're seeing in the marketplace is we have people that are out there going, Hey, I can sell you soup to nuts. I can get you anything you want. And they're selling part numbers. And, you know, so the C's goes after how do we add value to the product? And I think that goes back to the way we add value and create partnerships with people that are in the field working is um, being a product expert, understanding what they go through, understanding what the rules and regs are, and, and helping them to get their job done safely. Yeah, and, and this is why I'm bringing this up is because, uh, you know, there is a process with your distributors that you should be vetting people. And vetting people also means like 
um, distributors can get um, certifications for their area in safety. And it, it is a partnership. And you want to make sure that that partner has some understanding of your, your legislations for your region. Now, you guys are in the United States, so that would be OSHA. Right. And that you that your partner, the distributor also understands any kind of standards or um, other uh, regulations or requirements that you might have for the kind of work you're doing. And that's that's included in what you guys are being educated about in there, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's funny that you say vetting because every uh, contractor has a as they bring subs in, they, they vet them and they're, they're, they're basically safety policies and basically mod rates, whatever you want to, whatever you want to dive down into. But it's often funny how, when you get onto the procurement side, meaning how they buy the stuff, there's not that vetting. So you don't really know, you know, if I see something that every day I tell somebody, well, I'm not going to sell that to you. And you know, you get a lot of funny looks like, why are you you're not going to sell it to me? Because it's not the right thing. It's not what you you have in your mind that you're buying. Because again, personal protective equipment is we've identified that you can get hurt. And we are trying to minimize that. We're trying to mitigate that down as much as we can with the knowledge that, hey, it can still happen. Um, so that's, that's uh, one that becomes a difficult one to uh, get the the customer really to understand is we do know what we're selling. It's not just, we're not just uh, basically sitting out there floating in limbo, waiting for somebody to yell a part number out for us to bang it into the computer system to see if we can fulfill it. We're kind of starting with uh, the fact that I don't, I don't want to sell, it's not about green ones and pink ones. It's about ones that are rated for NFPA 70E, versus NFPA 2112, so standard-related stuff. Absolutely, and I've had the same situation where someone says they want a product for the application, and certainly I could sell it to them. I had it in stock. I asked, well, why are you going to use that? Well, it's less money, but it's not the correct thing. And if and if you use it incorrectly, you know, you could fall, and to be blunt, you could die. So, um I just walked away from it. I just feel like we have to look out for the best interests of people. And if we have the knowledge to know that it's not the right product for the job they're doing, it's our duty to speak up. There's there's one in the newspaper that's everywhere and it's KN95s. And KN95s is basically uh, when COVID broke out and they ha- were trying to find any respirator that we can find is they tried to, I mean, it's a logical fallacy that they're, they're, they're equal because they are designed different and they're meant to do different things. So I can't sell somebody a KN95 that's going to do silica work because it does not pass, you know, you can't pass, pass a fit test with it. So those are things that, uh, you know, the world woke up and realized what PPE was about three months ago. They'd never heard, you know, they had, they had heard, but they didn't really get what it, what it is. So COVID has kind of, at least got people thinking about, oh, PPE, I kind of get what that is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This, everything that we're going through right now, it, it has really created an awakening 
about what health and safety is, the importance is it, the importance of pro being proactive and have emergency planning and knowing um, your PPE products and your, your person that you're getting it from so that you don't get into a position of, of getting something in-house that isn't going to actually do the job of protecting your people. And that's what it really comes down to at the end of the day is protecting um, our people, our tribes. Well, thank you both so much for joining um, us today and sharing your knowledge. Uh, it was an amazing conversation. Thank you, Christy and Dave. You betcha. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Women in Safety. If you're looking for the show notes, please head on over to safeopedia.com where you can find it under the podcast section. If you're looking for webinars, Q&As, and articles, you can also find them all on Safeopedia. Have you signed up yet for a Safety Connect virtual conference? October 2020 is the date that it gets going. If not, please navigate to industryconnectsafety.com where you can register for free. We'd like to thank those of the Safety Network for participating in our podcast discussion today. Until next time, be safe. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the Women in Safety podcast. Thank you for clicking the subscribe button and sharing it with others. Make sure to visit us at safetywithpurpose.com for more safety leadership and industry discussions.